BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. Multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half. How'd you get and you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. All right, here we are again. This is episode 82 of the Operator Podcast. Today's going to be fun. Normally, I what I do here is I give you my opinion on whatever, on current events. There's a lot of events that are current going on right now that I'm able to talk about, but Uh, And normally I would give you my input on what I think and then check on social media what you think at The Operator Podcast on Instagram or at Makuya, M-C-H-O-O-Y-A-H on Instagram and or Twitter or wherever else you find at Makuya. And I normally take what you think and uh, put it to work, I guess. Today I am going to be interviewing uh, my friend and teammate, Former Navy SEAL Bill Brown, who's got a unique story. He went to uh, he went to Buds a little bit after me, and then he came to the East Coast, same as I did. He was at SEAL Team 8, and obviously the way the SEAL teams are divided are even numbers on the East Coast, odd numbers on the West Coast. I was at 2, he was at 8. There's also uh, 10 and 4 out there, and then obviously we have 1357 out West. But uh, Bill Brown, combat vet, great dude, attorney, um, he runs the, uh, the Navy SEAL Swim, which is in New York. We'll talk about that once a year, around August of every year. Pretty kick-ass 3.5-mile swim in the Hudson. So across that, swimming past and to the Statue of Liberty. You'll see a bunch of studs without shirts on in catch-me-fuck-me shorts running around lower Manhattan carrying American flags. Very awesome. And it ends at, um, at the 9-11 Memorial Museum. That'll be this year. I'm going to go this year. I'll get Armed Forces Brewing Company 
um, up there, which will be great. Armed Forces Brewing Company, by the way, just had their uh, grand opening at our first brewery in Norfolk, Virginia at uh, 211 West 24th Street in Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. A lot of different ways to say Norfolk, Virginia. Nor My mom says Norfolk. Uh, some people say Nafik if they're from there, whatever. Anyway, the zip code is 23517. That's uh, Armed Forces Brewing Company. Kick-ass place. I guess they had a good weekend. We got a nice apparel shop, too, so that's awesome. But I'm going to try to get them involved with the Navy SEAL swim that Bill Brown runs. Uh, we get It's a bigger um, bigger crew every year, I think. It started out with just SEALs and veterans, and now it's those and first responders. And then um, some dudes from Fox News swam, which is pretty cool. Um Will Kane did the swim. Pete Hexeth. It's always good to see some Army dudes get in the water. Uh, and I'm going to get Armed Forces Brewing Company up there this year in New York, so that should be fun. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then there's been some um, – because of what's going on with diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're seeing it leak into, in Bill's case, the legal aspect of the private sector and he'll talk about that a little bit here we're at a, a position in some points because of this left these leftist policies that if you tell the truth you're going to get canceled and you see it all the time obviously we see it on instagram and twitter <clears throat> we've seen people that speak i mean it's generally the truth but it's their version of the truth sometimes too it shouldn't matter with free speech you should be allowed to say anything we all know that but sometimes you get punished just for speaking the truth at Makuya gets restricted all the time. Still don't know what I did, but uh, I'm trying to find out. But this will be a good talk today. So we'll enjoy talking to uh, Bill Brown. First, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor. You've heard me mention Muddy River Tactical, these kick-ass conceal holsters. Um, I've got actually got two of them. I have a, a, um, a right-hand holster and a left-hand holster. You should be able to be proficient with both sides. You know, just to get the have make sure the rounds can go both ways. So I've got two cool ones that say they're Kydex um, holsters that say the operator on them are pretty badass. I really like them. This is a family owned company. Kevin Mason started a while back because he was frustrated with the customer service and the quality of products from from different holster companies. So he just said whatever and he started his own. So we're talking inside the um, waistband, outside Kydex and leather specialty holsters. I mentioned the saddlebag holsters and these cool EDC dump trays where you put everything from your your gun and your holster, your knife and your change. Keep your keep your gun next to your money. Um, dual air. Polymer and reinforced gun belts. With these, with these um, polymer reinforced gun belts too, you're not, they're 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 reinforced. Exactly what it says. So there's no more twisting, no more sagging. You're gonna get what you want out of these uh, these belts. Sorry, uh, the gun belts for your holsters. So no no more of that crap, and they stay right there. They use com uh, computer numerical controlling for these machines. They play an important role in the manufacturing industry industry because the CNC um, are controlled by a computer. There's a proficiency level. And accuracy and consistency you're not able to get in the traditional method. So the holsters are awesome. The customer service awesome at uh, Muddy River Tactical. Made in the USA, family-owned, precision-engineered using these machines. And uh, a, a no BS lifetime warranty for Muddy River Tactical holsters. 15-day risk-free trial. If, if you don't love them, send them back. No questions asked. They're on Facebook and Instagram, Muddy River Tactical. And if you go to the website, muddyrivertactical.com, for anything, the cool belts, the holsters, uh, the hats, the hoodies. Use code THEOPERATOR for 15% off. So go to MuddyRiverTactical.com, 15% off with code THEOPERATOR. 
Go there, check out the cool stuff. Even get a gift certificate if you're looking to buy it. Really cool, high-quality gifts. And speaking of the customer service, they monitor the emails um, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. So remember, uh, go to muddyrivertactical.com. Use code THEOPERATOR for a good discount. Check out their stuff, muddyrivertactical.com. Oh, okay. Welcome to the Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Robert J. O'Neill. I've got a special guest today. His name is Bill Brown. He is a former U.S. Navy SEAL. And if you're watching the audio, you can see a 231 on his hat. That means Bud's class 231. And we have a saying in the teams that my class was the last hard class. So 231 is the last hard <laughs> class. Does that sound about right? Absolutely. <laughs> what did what we, I was, uh, I was, I'm not, you know, I'm not pulling a card here, but I was 208. And the way we said it was we graduated two of us and they made us fight it out. So that's kind of how. <laughs> That's Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Bill. Bill's also a, so a combat veteran, SEAL Team 8, I believe. That's right. Yep. And then an attorney, which uh, we thought war sucked. <laughs> Being an attorney, there's a, <laughs> I don't even know who's writing those rules. How you doing today, Bill? Hey, uh, no, number one, Rob, I want to I wanna thank you for your service and what you've done for this country and, and the brothers with you that one of that historic op, I know you've been on a lot of big time ops. Uh, 2,977 Americans were killed on 9-11 and you were part of the justice to put that bastard, uh, to hold him accountable. And I can't thank you enough. Uh, and I know so many Americans are extremely grateful. Um, uh, one of the things, you know, I'm, a, I'm the lead SEAL, the New York City SEAL swim. I'm, yes. a, I'm, I, I'm about trying to send a positive message and I'm about, you know, you think about uh, how many guys in New York City uh, that took a hit on 9-11. And you think about you had 343 FDNY firefighters. You had 71 mm -hmm. NYPD police officers. You had 37 members of the Port Authority Police Department, PAPD. And every one of those units plays a substantial role in putting together and working with us for the New York City SEAL swim. And uh, just want to let you know that you always have an honor to welcome place at that event. Uh, and thank you. I shout out the flair and, you know, thank you for giving me a platform, giving me a voice. You know, when we look out for each other, we're always better. And I'm very grateful, man. Thank you. I, I love that you say that too, that I'm, I'm kind of interjecting here, but when you say, when we, you know, we look out for each other, we're better. Um, that that's something too. I think that the veteran community needs to do a better job of because it seems to me that, uh, I mean, we're pretty good at making fun of each other. But sometimes, I mean, just you know, inner service rivalry. But sometimes it gets a little bit rude. And I think that if I, I remember, I had my commanding officer when I checked into Red Team say, when we retired, if we all work together, we're going to be millionaires. But it'll never happen. And I just I don't understand because the positivity. I went to the SEAL. I didn't get in the water. Uh, you know, you, you're you're a, you're a bigger badass than I am, but <laughs> positivity there's seeing the Statue of Liberty, all the dudes kick ass shape, carrying the flags, running through Midtown and then getting up to uh, the memorial. How did that start? You know, it's, it's, it's funny how things kind of like I think a lot of things in life, there's different variables that kind of play a part. And there's a couple variables. One is uh, I served with a guy named David Goggins. He's kind of a a renowned team guy yeah. and we were in hell week together and we actually did our first snatch and grab together in Baghdad. And okay. uh, we were, we're, we're brothers forever, you know? And, uh, and so when he got out, well, when I got out, I started, I used to jive, I was going to college and 
I saw him doing these ultrathon runs for a foundation at the time called the Wounded Warriors Foundation. Yep. And one of the things that really impressed me was he here he is a guy using his athletic abilities for something more for just himself. He was giving back. He was giving back to the community, and that that had an impression on me. And that, when I winded up going to Rutgers, I I did a run with another uh, veteran named Efren Gonzalez, Iraq veteran. Uh, we ran 65 miles from uh, Rutgers Camden to Rutgers, New Brunswick, and we started the first scholarship for veterans there called the uh, Jeremy Kane uh, Veteran for Education Scholarship. It was called Veteran for Education Scholarship, but I had a young guy in my group named Jeremy Kane who got killed in Afghanistan by a suicide bomber. So I, I changed the name to the Jeremy Kane Veteran for Education Scholarship. So that that was in the back of my mind, and now I'm a lawyer. And every once in a while, I'd have to go to the lower federal courthouse in Manhattan. And my law firm's office was in uh, Newark. And I would take the uh, the path to the Oculus and at the in lower Manhattan. And that's right where the uh, the World Trade Center is. And I'd have to walk. I'd have to walk right by there, you know. And I go to the federal courthouse and I do attendance. Uh, they call it uh, 341 creditors meetings. And I'd walk back and that's in the back of my head. And then one day I'm driving to the courthouse in Jersey City and I uh, write a turnpike there. And as I see that Statue of Liberty off my peripheral on my way there. And then when I'm coming back on my left side and I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? <laughs> the Statue of Liberty to the World Trade Center is not not that far as far as the crow flies. And I was like, well, what's in between it? Fucking Hudson. I was like, fuck, yeah. seals can swim. That was it. <laughs> yeah. And, yep. I reached I reached out to a couple guys. It was real grassroots, man. I reached out to a couple guys and they rogered up and uh and eight, 33 of us, 33 team guys the first year. Pete Hegseth from Fox News yep. got on board big time. And before you know it, it turned into a major event. And uh last year, uh sponsoring the Navy SEAL Foundation and uh, Uncommon Grit Foundation, two really yeah. good groups that help out a lot of veterans. And so I was really proud that, you know, and we had six gold stars jump at the, at the get go, trying to have them have adventures with us too. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually one of the, uh, it's a great way for us to come together. I call it adventure therapy. And it's a great way to us to come together, kind of have a monster mash. But at the same time, you know, kind of send a positive message of patriotism for a whole nation to see. Oh, it's yeah, it's I mean, that's that's as American as it gets. Just watching the guys run through the through the streets with the flags. That just looks really cool. It's American, man. Those are the those are the dudes that uh, when when the shit hits the fan, those are the dudes that show up. Because when I, I went this year and it was a uh, uh, veteran seals, first responders, um, you even had uh, Will Kane, and I think Pete, did Pete do it again? He did, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He's yeah. a glutton for punishment. <laughs> well, he's an he's an army officer, so I don't expect much in the water from Pete. But he uh, he he swam he swam more than I did, so I don't know why I'm talking shit. And then Will Kane from Fox, I know him, and uh, I saw him afterward. I'm like, man, that's incredible. You did a great job, a lot of prep. And he goes, no, I played uh, college water polo. I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> okay, so no stranger yeah, to it. My yeah, it was uh, how far now? What's the total length of swim? Is that about three and a half miles? Yeah, it's about right. Hey, my hat's off to uh, Pete uh, and, and Will and Tire Fox News and Newsmax. Uh, Carl Higby always gives us some love too. Yeah, those guys put that put that into the stratosphere. Uh, 
hats off to those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, uh, Higby doesn't like the water. Um, but I bet if you add a bench press competition or a backflip thing to it, he'll Higby will hop in that. He told me he said I did I posted something a while back. Uh, I went for a swim in Florida and um and I said something about well, what or someone said, why doesn't Higby get in the water too? And he said, because the water is wet. <laughs> so that's, that's fair. Now but that again, explains why that explains why because like every year I think he's gonna come and then something happens, but so things like but I love him. He's always giving us. Love. He's great. Well, you know, the, the the NYPD was nice to me. Let me use their boat, and I got to smoke a cigar watching you guys do some work. So I can I'll put in a word to Higby. Maybe we can get him out this year. What uh, when is it going down this year? So you know the, the event, everything NSF is like pounding on my door to give him a date. I always try to get as close as I can to anniversary of extortion sure. seventeen, like the weekend closest to August sixth. Yeah, but the tides and the currents determine everything. And so, and I try to maximize coverage on a Fox and preferably having on Fox and friends in the morning It makes yes. it easier for our support assets too. Cause we're not clogging up the Hudson later in the afternoon. True. Uh, but I can't give, I can't give a solid date right now. Cause I just don't have enough Intel on the tides and currents. They say, Hey, this is the solid date, but it's going to be one of the first weekends in August as, as, as Saturday. We have the right. Sunday as a contingency. The second I get it, uh, I'll have Navy SEAL Foundation put it up on their website. Cool. I uh, I should get Armed Forces Brewing Company up there, too, for the finish line. I would <laughs> love to have those guys. You know, those guys, I'm also the president of the Veterans Alumni of Rutgers University. And we just had a, a big event on the battleship New Jersey. And this is yes. the second year we have an Army-Navy Watts party on a battleship. And every year, those guys, they donate beer. So. So man, my hats off to you guys and uh, and thank you for the free beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we just opened up our first brewery in Norfolk, Virginia. I get this weekend. Last weekend was uh, the grand opening. I guess it went over pretty well. That's great too. We can get into more of that too because there was some uh, woke politics that went into where we opened up there. But uh, yeah, getting Armed Force Brewing Company up there would be great. Uh, like I said, for the finish line. But I also know a few guys that'll probably knock back five or six before they swim. <laughs> <laughs> well that's like that, that's one of the things i'm always worried about like uh last year nsf wanted to have some type of uh, event before and i said no no i said if there's any beer there team guys are going to drink and i, I don't know yep guys. i was just going to say that i know us and i don't <laughs> fucking trust us no <laughs> and if you need me to get my wife in here to double down with me she will tell me no sternly <laughs> but no that's a that's a great event i definitely want to be more involved i i um uh, yeah, I mean, I it's it just I was so impressed with the event, and like I was saying earlier, it's so nice to see veterans get together with each other and and uh, get along, and just uh, the 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 way forward. If you can figure it out, man, there's so many great. Like you mentioned, uncommon grit. Um, McTeams is down there with the, and he usually brings Baz, one of the best photographers in the world. And there's yeah, just a, I mean, if, when you find a Navy SEAL with purple hair, you're probably going to have a good. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying. So I'd love, I'd love, you know what he does so much, so so much good for so many people, but he was going yeah. to be on the, uh, the, the uh, he was going to be on Newsmax and I basically had to beg him to put on a hat. <laughs> he, was he, was gonna the whole community. he had like purple and pink hair and I was like, please, in the name of God, please put on a hat. Just, you will see, you know, what's, <laughs> what's awesome about, I was, I was with McBee for uh, years. I mean, we went, we went through buds together and then we went to two together and then we did a brief stint at four when we, you know, uh, you were around them when they, when they kind of, we just switched buildings. Like we didn't really, 
we kept the guys together, but just switched buildings. Like two became four and four became whatever. But I was with, uh, I was with McPhee. So I'm throwing shit everywhere. And he was never um, not completely clean shaven and good haircut. Navy chief by the book gets out of the Navy. Boom. Purple hair. <laughs> it's like, all right, dude, get some purple hair and a cowboy. Yeah. hat. You know what? That guy served his country with honor. Oh, that's what I'm saying. What? If he, Love him. If he wants to let loose, let him let loose. I, I look him. at it. Hey, he's an artist. He's going to do what an artist does. Yeah. He's a damn good artist. He, he actually designed my first tattoo. I was over there. Um, we, me and a couple guys from SDV team two, Danny Dietz was over there and uh, he designed it. We walked right out and wrote to Spain and got, got some ink and some drink. And it was, you know, then it, you know how tattoos go. It just turns into more, but uh, yeah. Yep. So, all right. Yep. Uh, now before the big stuff, what, uh, why, why, did, why the Navy where you joined in, in, in Pennsylvania, right? I joined in New Jersey. New, uh, New Jersey. Okay. Um, originally I got, I was a rough and tumble kid. I think uh, like a lot of us kind of, for me to be sincere, the Navy saved my life. Uh, I was in and out of detention center. I was playing musical houses and things like that. Um, I do come from a, a pretty, like a lot of us too, uh, a lot of our fathers and grandfathers served. That was the case for me. So I kind of had that in the background. Um, for me, I tried to be, to uh, join the Marine Corps at first. Yep. And he actually said no. And because of some of the trouble I got in. And so I'm, I'm out there struggling. I'm out there struggling. I'm working a couple of like bullshit jobs. What is it, what, what, what have you done in the past that the Marine Corps said no? <laughs> I, the stuff I got in was a lot of fights, really. That's pretty much it. Uh, you know, God only knows I, I was at uh, Burlington City High School and uh, some guy kind of came knocking on my window with a couple other guys. And uh, so I came outside and uh, we winded up getting a fight and I winded up putting his uh, head through the window. And uh, so that kind of might have scared some people off. I don't know. but <laughs> I mean, the, the, I've I worked with Marines and they're kind of into that shit. So I don't know. <laughs> I was in the Fowler, Nevada. I was going to a JTAC course, right? My the FTX, literally yeah. the, the day before my FTX. Um, uh, they got the uh, the uh, enlisted club there. Yeah, oh yeah, I've we, been there. We come back from we come back from the enlisted club. There's a couple of us, and he got a bunch of Marine guys up on the like the third deck, and they throw like this beer can, like a torpedo, pop, and it like explodes right at us. So we roll right up there and. We get in this huge fight. I'm doing pretty good, and something hits me I didn't see. And all of a sudden, my teeth are, my front two teeth are gone. Bloody oh, mess. I'm jacked up. And a couple of guys got right in front of me, kind of like a contact drill, kind of throwing shit down as we did a tactical retreat. But I got nothing but love for Marines. I served, oh, yeah, I yeah, did some totally. stuff with them in, in the job there in 2004. I uh, I ran a QRF for Marines there, uh, but yeah, I mean you know, I don't know how it is. Somehow somebody over there gave me the thumbs down, so I was you know I was out there in the storm. Um, I was riding my uh, my tent speed because I was I was pumping in New Jersey. You, uh, you they have people. Well, they they do for these you, gas yeah. junkies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm a gas junkie. I'm pumping gas. 
and I'm freezing. And it kept getting robbed because it's in between Philly and uh, Trenton. <laughs> and so they had me working in a night shift. So I'm, uh, it's early in the morning. I'm riding back, and it's like freezing out, man. And the uh, the wind, the uh, I thought my I thought I was gonna get like frostbite on on my manhood parts, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's got to be a better part than better situation than this. And I saw the recruiting station to my right. I saw the next day I was like, I was there and uh, there was a Navy recruiter that he did me a solid, you know, I I was up front with him like I was with the Marines, but basically I took an ASVAB and I did pretty good on the ASVAB. And what happened was I think because I did pretty good on the ASVAB, basically they basically had me uh, go down in Philly, talk to somebody at some officer at MEPS and he gave me the thumbs up. And that that's and my so my uh, my pappy was a World War II veteran named Gerald Bridges. And so I think that's one of the reasons why instead of going to the Army after the Marine Corps, I decided, well, you know, my, my pappy was a World War II veteran. Let me uh, let me see. And, it, you know, that's one thing led to another. Yeah, the old school Navy stuff. That's when the uh, Cracker Jacks were tough. You see the sailors, they can whip some ass. <laughs> I, I, I just love how it's the. Uh... Between the frozen nuts and getting robbed, let's just join the Navy. <laughs> paint, paint compliance, Rob. Paint what compliance. did they? What did they? Uh, did they give? Did you have a rate, or did they give you a job, or did they tell you it was full, or did you say I want seals, or what? No, to be sincere, I knew nothing about uh, yeah. the teams back then. It wasn't like it is now. Um, so what happened was, I just wanted to learn a trade. Like I was in survival mode. I just wanted to learn a trade. Yeah. Like. I like I had to get out of New Jersey. And so I'm in boot camp and I got a couple uh drill instructors and they're like riding me. And there's plenty of guys who are soup sandwiches in there. I don't know, some way, somehow, there's some guys who can be the gray man. That's not me. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're riding me and I'm like, fuck. But what happened was to kind of purge and decompress, uh, like after whatever they had us doing, it was me and a couple other guys, and we would work out in the, uh, in the, in the, in the, in the head, in the bathroom. Yeah. We're doing pull-ups, you know, off the stalls and push-ups, and we had our own little groove. So, and we were in pretty good shape. And a couple of guys come in, and they, towards the, uh, and then Chow, and, uh, in the first couple of weeks, they were in the Smurf outfits. And you can't talk, and you have these TVs on there, and you had guys doing the O course. You had some guys, and I didn't know what they were. Now it reminded me of Miami Vice, these Mark Fives, really fast boats. Some, and you had some EOD guys, you know, firing the hope. And I was right. like, wow, that looked kind of cool. But I still didn't know much about it. And so I winded up taking the. Uh, they come in there, they come to our d- d- division, and they say, hey, you can test. And it's like early in the morning, the process time is a little bit. And I thought, you know what? Uh, this is just a good workout for me yeah. to kind of get away from these guys. And so I wind up going there with a couple other guys from my boot camp division, and we all failed. And I failed because I, I was a shitty swimmer. And so, like, uh, but no one said you couldn't come back. And so my thing was I had some shit bag riding me. And so I was like, fuck it, I gotta, I gotta work out. Like, and I need some, and you know, in that type of environment, when you get a couple minutes by yourself, it's like gold. Oh, and yeah. so even walk, marching there and marching back or whatever, it's like, I'm away from that shit. And it was good for me. And I would get a serious workout in. And even though I kept failing to swim, but I kept coming back. Yes. And it's so funny. I did the Tampa Bay Frogman swim. 
uh, just a couple of weeks back. Yeah. And I ran into uh, Chief Zet. And so he was one of the dive motivators. So he was like, hey, uh, I want to take the test. And it was like the, f- the third time or something. <laughs> I think he, they, I think they like, limited to something like three tries. Though, don't they? <laughs> well, if they do that, they won't get guys like me. So, <laughs> so, so Chief Zet says, uh, hey, you're not taking a test. And I was like, my heart was kind of crushed and I was like, fuck, that kind of sucks. And instead yeah. he had it, he had me in the water. I don't know if they heat that pool or not, but for whatever reason, I don't know. But instead of, uh, cause my side stroke sucks. So instead of doing a side stroke, he taught me like this modified breaststroke with like some okay. type of dolphin kick. Yes. And for whatever reason, somehow that clicked and I was able to barely pass. And one thing led to another. So, yeah. That's yeah. That um, I I failed the first time. Also, I I blamed it on uh, all the vaccinations that we got. But it turns out I'm just I'm yep. just a shitty swimmer too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I yeah, it was uh that. But that I found that to be a good workout too because you're not doing shit but eating rice and gravy, and then you got to try to get. And we we could do it on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I'd march over there every Tuesday and Thursday, and I was amazed at how many people actually did fail it. Like you know, it's that's I think that's part of the learning curve that f- failure is not fatal you know you can give it another shot just don't quit and you'll be all right that's that was me anyway i, I try to join the marine corps too i couldn't swim and then you know that seal thing sounds fun so um <laughs> but then so so buds 231 which was uh would that have been 98 99 no so no uh 99 2000 yeah so what happened with um buds is actually i didn't make it through the first time i started out with class 218 Okay. 218, I get rolled uh, the first time for rock quarters. I was the bow line man, and it was during El Nino, and those waves were pretty big. Oh, shit. You're going to get destroyed. Yeah, well, we had a couple guys jumping out before they hit the rocks. They were a little smarter than us. Oh. So we get sm- we get smashed up, and I get out the bow, you know, I got the bow line. The rocks are really slippery, so I'm, I'm trying to claw- crawl my way up there, but it's algae, you know, and I hear the guys, yeah. water. And so the, the water hits me in the back and I uh, put my elbow over my face and I get slingshotted in the rocks and it's actually this elbow, I can feel it now. Yeah. And um, so anyway, it, uh, the instructors checked me out because they knew I took a big hit. You know, I, I, you know how it is. I was trying to avoid medical at all costs. Well, yeah. And so what, what happened was the next day during early morning PT at the grinder, we're doing pull-ups. It swelled up like a boot. Mm-hmm. And so they, I couldn't hide it. So then they uh, they rolled me back for that, and that that was uh, and so then I go in two nineteen, made it through Hell Week, uh, and then I get rolled for pool comp. Oh, but re- what really happened was, and so then I get to third phase, and then they winded up dropping me two weeks before graduation out the island for weapons practical. So what what happened was in. Um, after Hell Week and first phase finals, I, I performed well in Hell Week, was I highlighted myself because they thought I was too dumb to be a team guy. And what happened was, on that, that I, you know this, but the guys, your audience might not, is the first phase finals really isn't that difficult. It's basically a chronological order of hydro reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. And and that's what the UDT Frogman, that's one of the old school stuff, how they used to uh, on toward the, the gradient slope of the yeah. beach. Yeah. 
And um, so what did happened? You, did the first injury from Rock Portage was that during Hell Week the first night? No, not not doing no. It was not even right to Hell Week. So Hell Week right is um right uh sorry. Rock Portage is an old school frogman. I just because you brought up old school frogman, that's how you get from like you, the boats that you row up and literally up and over the big scary rocks. It's right in front of the Hotel Dell because as a student, you're having your life flash before your eyes. But if you're staying at the Dell, you're on one of the nicest beaches in the world. <laughs> Watch these kids get tortured. And so the ba can you explain what the Ballin guy does do? Uh, just to so people right. don't know if you got hurt. So the, the Ballin on the front of the boat, you basically have this rope that's attached to the boat. And so what the bow line guy will do is once you guys basically hit the rocks, the bow line is going to have the rope, going to put it around his waist, and he's going to situate himself in between the rocks so he's like an anchor. And he's going to use his hips and basically his weight to, so when the, the, the water hits and as it's coming back, the boat stays anchored up. It's not washing back so you don't lose ground. Mm -hmm. And so then in between sets, basically that's how you work your way up the rocks. Yep. And and the, the, the you do not want to get in between the boat and the rocks per se because you can get completely no. hammered and that's just yeah. And that is though cuz you brought up that and then brought up the hydrographic reconnaissance and I'm I'm a big believer too. At the time I was like, well why would we need this when we have this technology or whatever but now we're getting into the world of uh, electromagnetic pulses like can you use a map and compass? Do you know how to row a boat? Because this is, it might come to that. The, the, <laughs> next, the next war might be sticks and rocks. You, you know, sometimes I evaluate some of the uh, the stuff we did. Because even back then, that was super old school stuff. But I do think the the uh, there's it's a good learning environment for teamwork. Teamwork. Oh, no doubt stress. about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. I think you need. I think you need to know that. That was a the point I was making too. Is that that's uh the the old school stuff you you really need to know because the i mean the next war could be flicking a light switch off and all of a sudden nothing works it's like all right who do i who who do me and my family eat first <laughs> so, so one of the, i don't know if you had instructor gecker or not yes i love i love instructor gecker i, I love think, all these instructors i think those guys were instructors ward decker tabor i think they were instructors for 45 years because <laughs> they're <laughs> legends like everyone had them <laughs> so instructor gecka uh he was kind of known as the hammer for good reason i got nothing but respect for him yes but uh yeah so mike, mike gecka yeah, Gek and the decker and Tabor. i'm trying to think of all these it's like they're yes. awesome team guys but they still i can still see them in dark shadows and they scare me <laughs> <laughs> so so this is this situation I, you know i knew I knew where I was like, I was flawed up because uh, I, I grew up rough and tumble. I had really misplaced perspectives on education. And, uh, and, and so, and the way I grew up, uh, it's a, it's a miracle. I got in the Navy, but uh, so one of the things that happened was Becca comes into the class after we took this test and he's like, uh, I'm going to try to reenact him a little bit. He goes up to our OIC. He's like, could you believe he's like, we got a new record at Buds. <laughs> he's like, we got a fucking new record. And he, sounds he's just like, like Can you believe <laughs> he's like, somebody in your class got a fucking 16%. That's 16% out of a hundred. Yes. And I'm in the center aisle in the first phase classroom. I'm like this. I'm I'm like, dear God, dear God, in the name of Jesus, please not be me. Please not be me. <laughs> but I knew. Yeah, it's me. So 
he's like Darth Vader walking down the middle of the hallway, you know? And he's like, uh, he stops right above me and he's like, and he kind of yokes me up and he's like, if I got a fucking 16, I'd go home and kill myself. <laughs> so then I'm like in a, in, in a corner with a trash can over my head. But it was a big, big lesson. It was a hard lesson I had to learn, right? Uh, because uh, that was a that was a serious wake up call to me about uh, it's not cool to be like a rock. And um, no, and that's and that's so something I, you learn too. Because like you're saying with first phase, you can get away with it because it's all physical. Then you start getting into stuff. I mean, not even at the end of first phase, you're getting into stuff too. And there's some of the some of the um, you know there's tests obviously the entire time. But if I think if you're not taking it seriously, like a, some dive medicine, dive physics can really get you. Cause there's some complicated shit going on in there. That's in my experience. Anyway. Mine too. I, with dive physics, I had smoke coming out of my ears. When I passed <laughs> dive physics, I thought nothing could fucking stop me, man. Nothing yeah. could stop. But, uh, you know, you know, I think buds, uh, there's different guys, different things that different guys like, oh, yeah. like have their own battles. And uh, and so I can, yeah, that's, I can uh, still use a little remedial training on how to calculate time fuse. It's been about thirteen years for me, <laughs> so <we're> gonna, <laughs> I might need to go over the shit. <laughs> I thought, yeah, can we just kick a door and hit someone with a hammer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Um, but yeah, so what happened was I got I got spot checked, and so now all of a sudden, like, uh, and I and the other thing I did wrong, I did a couple things wrong, so. I think one of the other, I was kind of like hoo like, like dumb in a way. Like I respected the instructor so much that I was just like, hoo hoo And like, and I wasn't kind of like, uh, I wasn't kind of letting them know, like, uh, I'm a little bit of a thinker upstairs. And I was just, I wasn't playing it right. I did some other things kind of, I was a little more savvy about when I came back. Like I was, uh, I was working on the boats all the time, like in first phase. So like afterwards, I'm, patching up the boats and things like that and that's eating up my sleep and yes. i'm really not getting i'm not getting any like uh any reward back for that work it's it's just it's, you know those guys who just busting their ass and no one kind of knows about it but when i came through the next time like i was like working on instructors trucks like making you know bribing them with like cappuccinos and bribe shit like the that. shit out of them yes just don't <laughs> i mean you got to be clever if you you get busted you're out so you gotta be clever that's it you got you know what uh you definitely have to have your stuff together hold on here hey this is this is good shit maybe maybe we got some action going on what do you got <laughs> what happened all right here we go it's all Most good man. it's all good the um yeah the bribing was fun and well even like i i don't know if i was just lazy but uh even like the like right before one one day like the last weekend and then you have one one day you know day one week one and you start buds i mean you've already done five weeks of buds but day one one it starts with a uh, room inspection which looking back on it is the funniest thing i've ever seen but i didn't <laughs> like my roommates the three dudes there's four dudes to a room three dudes stayed back all weekend and they'd strip and strip and strip and then wax and buff and wax and buff and i'm like guys i'm gonna go see the the, the movie the rock just came out i'm going to horton plaza i'm watching a movie we're gonna fucking fail in the first three seconds why are you wait rest do something else now and then you know they pulled the whole they came first thing we had dust on our ceiling because he chucked sand up so you're gonna fail that shit i i interrupted and i went off on a tangent sorry about that 
no, you're so right. It's it's basically a commando raid, and and uh, good luck. Yes, and you know what I think would <laughs> I think would help, and it might have. Uh, I went through um, boot camp with a guy by the name of Sean Tufts, who went to buds with me, but he was a sergeant, uh, drill sergeant in the army before he fell off the slide for life and uh, broke his neck, but he became the first uh, non seal or boat guy on the jump team as a parachute rigger, which is cool. But he was a drill sergeant and he told me in boot camp because I sh- I checked up I checked up at boot camp just scared to death. And what he said to me is like just calm down and realize these dudes that are yelling at you are just dudes doing a job. They're guys. They're not machines. They're you know just th- these are nor- these are guys that you know they-, they get up 30 minutes before you do. So they're tired too. Just play the game. And the thing with instructors, I mean buds instructors way different animal. But to just the realization like if I would have known like if well I wouldn't be good going through if I went back at 19 now, cause I tell them all to F off. But if I just realized these, <laughs> these are just team guys who are a touch hungover and they're pissed off that they have to run with us. Maybe. That's it. <laughs> but uh, Bud's instructors, man, that's a, I remember going. So, and actually Sean, I got to get him on here. He was the first guy I ever saw get yelled at by a seal chief buds instructor. And I wanted to leave right then that I didn't want any part of that conversation. That's just different. <laughs> Sometimes when the team guys get on you, it's, it's, it can be scary. Oh yeah. It's like a, a wolf pack when God, like they a, smell a the blood. Friend. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> One of those oh shit moments. Yeah. Oh my God. Those, those first, I, I, I bet every team guy can remember their very first room inspection when, when all 15 instructors come in and just hammer the shit out of you. <laughs> and we didn't pass until we bribed them. Like they finally, we finally left power bars and Gatorades <laughs> and shit and porn if you can distract them because uh, what's the rule instructors are lazy and they're stupid (laughs) that's not a rule i just made that up i'm pretty much just talking about myself (laughs) you got to play you gotta you know it's funny too it took me a while to figure it out you got to play the game just play the game and 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 i don't think even if, if if the students knew how structured it actually is the complete fucking chaos is actually very structured and uh, but yeah, I don't think about it. Time I thought instructors were trying to kill me. I, I thought the same thing, and maybe they were. <laughs> so now, so you went in two eighteen. Did you go to the fleet? No. So actually, uh, it was two two eighteen. I get rolled for pool comp, and one of the things that happened on pool comp is actually the first time I actually kind of uh, kind of did a little like uh, lawyering. I guess I advocated for myself. And uh, because you, I had a buddy. Can you briefly hard. explain the rules to pool comp? What it is? Sure, guys. So uh, what what pool comp is? It's basically an, an evolution where rather you're trying to, to to test your your ability to solve problems underwater and under pressure. Yep. And what they do is they basically you have 280 scuba tanks, and you got the uh, you got these double hose. You have your regulator, and what they do is uh, they have these two bricks. And you you would walk you basically crawl from one brick to the next, and what they do is they the instructors will come and they call it a surf hit, and what they'll do is they'll come over there and the first thing they they'll do is they'll they'll rip off your mask they'll rip off your regulator and now you're on a pretty uh, pretty big breath hold and they're on top of you and what they're doing is they're putting your 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 hoses from your regulator in a knot. And so one of the things you do is once they leave is the first thing you you do is you want to try to get your air back. So you reach back and you see if you can, can turn on your air 
and that's going to help pressure your hoses to make it easier for you to take out the knot. Now, what the uh, once you are able to take out that knot, when you get that first that first thing of air, it's a, it's a really good moment because you've been chicken, you've been on a long, lengthy breath hold for yes. a while. That one of the things that gets some guys is you can't put you on your dive mask back. So some guys have a hard time getting air in without breathing it through their nose. The next thing that happens is basically you want to grab your weight belt and anchor yourself so you can work now because now your tank's in front of you. So you grab your weight belt and you put it around your the back of your legs so you don't float. Now you kind of you got a, a, an environment where you can work under the water. And the next thing you do is you put your tank back on and you start putting your straps back on. You make sure there's no twist. You make sure you have three inch quick release straps. Yep. And everything and, in order because they're watching. <laughs> that's it. And I, I think the, the big thing there is to kind of be composed. And, and, and it's, it's almost like what you were talking about earlier, Rob, about, about knowing when, how to uh, play the game. Yeah. And I think, I think, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, think, cause it, they, all, all we really knew is the, the system, the order, and there, there eventually there's going to be a knot. I'm not supposed to be able to untie, but I don't know when that's coming. Well, I remember my first experience failed. My first one, my first two actually was uh, Hey, swim back and forth. That's all they said. And next thing you know, you got no mass, no fins. Someone's beating your ass, turning your air off. And uh, just do that for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that, I think that's one of the things too. So they give you a knot that you're not supposed to get out. They call it the whammy knot. The whammy. Yeah. And, if you, and once you've been under there for a while, you're in kind of the back of your head. You're like, Hey, I, I, I've been, I've been here for a little bit. The whammy knot's coming be it. up. Gotta be it. But you gotta be careful that you, you don't, if you, if you're too quick on, uh, on, or not trying to get out that knot, then you fail. some guys take Just a hit fail. on that too. Just fail. Yeah. Not, and then not even a point system. You're out. You failed. Yeah, they, 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 you can't quite get that knot. And the thing too that I've seen dudes do, well, we were just talking about dive physics, uh, an arterial gas embolism. If you breathe compressed air uh, at depth, not even necessarily depth, a couple feet, and you hold it and come up, you can get an embolism because it uh, boils law. It'll, it'll expand with less pressure. And I've seen guys get... As soon as you get the whammy knot and the instructor gives you a thumbs up, you need to put your lips on the bottom of the pool and start exhaling with a hand up, a, a free ascent or whatever they call it. Free then when you come ascent. up, so you got to do that. And then you, as soon as you get out, you got to say the, the term, I feel I fine. Feel the reason you say feel fine is because if you have an embolism, it'll come out with like an M sounding, like I mule mine. And guess what? You just got a chamber ride. You're going back down for a long time and you failed. Fucking idiot. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You, you know, it's so many different, uh, it's knowing when to turn it on and when not to in some, because you think about the uh, the 50 meter underwater swim. We had a couple yeah. guys in my class that actually passed out trying yep. to do it. Yep. And they were kind of respected for it. But it's it's an inverse type of relationship with pool comp because of the fact that you're breathing compressed air and AGEs and, yes. and all that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah the, I mean, the 50 meter underwater swim, I remember thinking, but like nobody ever told me about pool comp. 
I didn't even know about it. Like with the 50 meter swim, hold your breath. Like my plan was because you can kick off the other end. So jump in, do your flip, swim 25, kick off. And then my thing was get as low as I can. And if I pass out, the instructor will grab my hair and bang my head off the thing. So I pass. And I've seen fucking people do that. But with the compressed air, man, you're playing with, well, not necessarily fire, but you're playing with some pretty nasty water. <laughs> you know, you know what's so funny? My strategy for the 50 underwater meet, uh, meter swim was identical because I was like less temptation to pop up if I'm low. Don't even come up. Yeah. Because yeah. even if I think if you hold your breath to passing out, they're going to pass you. It's like, whatever, that's good. Because we're not, we're not, I don't care how far you can swim. My job is to see how far you'll push yourself and you just killed yourself. So good job you passed. But like that to me, that was so, and like those are the parts of buds like Hell Week, you can get rolled if you pass it but then you're there and pool comps another one we didn't know about and then uh nobody told me how miserable san clemente island was going to be i thought that was supposed to be fun yeah that's that's a that's a kick in the dick i mean you really start learning like uh you start like l-shape ambush rage yep. some bounding maneuvers and things yep. like that you're shooting every day all day you're, you're starting learning about different weapons and things like that uh you know I was even You're impressed right. with the uh, the the mission mission planning was realistic because they were really good about um, putting the sleep deprivation sort of in it. Like you're going to be tired, and it's important. I I mean because it's basic underwater demolition seal training. The basic part is there's a lot that goes into your mission before the mission. You got to do a lot of shit, and uh, some with the planning and just the whiteboards and the patrolling and the signals, and then the the goddamn choya that goes through your combat boots. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're so right. You learn about about dirt diving. Uh, yep. You know, I that uh, definitely uh, kick kicking the dick. But you know, I've actually uh, had some uh, pretty cool experiences. That one of the beauties uh, for for being a team guy is seeing the world, being outdoors. And I think one of the cool experience, a couple of cool experiences I had there was two that are distinct. One is that we did that long run. I don't know if it's 15 oh, yeah. miles tonight. I think it was 14. But you yeah. start like, you start really early in the morning. Well, we're running in the morning and you got all those cliffs right along the uh, San Clemente yes. there. And there was this huge uh, meteorite shout. And so here, you know, oh, you're really? really good. Yeah, it was beautiful, man. Because, you know, the, it's not, you know you're out there. So the ambient lights, It's, uh, it's yeah. it, it was beautiful. And uh, it's something I'll never forget because it wasn't like a, it was like, I don't know, you know, in my mind, it was like for five minutes, but it was probably like 45 seconds, but it was pretty cool. And then I had another pretty cool experience. We're doing that long contour swim along the island. And, you know, yeah. you have those big kelp forests mm -hmm. and yes. the, uh, the, the, the water's really clear. Really clear out there. Yeah. And so I'm swimming. And I'm kind of like weaving in and out of these kelp forests. I'm having fun, you know, because I, in my memory, I don't even recall having a swim buddy for this one. Uh, I probably did, but any I'm swimming and there's a seal and he's checking me out and he's weaving in and out, kind of just checking me out. And I was mm -hmm. like, man, this is fucking cool. They're very yeah. agile. <laughs> yeah, but they're scary too because you know if they're seals out there. Yeah, that's a uh the I think the reason, and I don't again knocking on wood, I think the reason no one's gotten clipped out there is because in between uh San Clemente and San Catalina is a breeding ground for great whites, not necessarily a feeding ground, but 
that doesn't mean you haven't seen a, a you know a, a sea lion bitten in half washing up on that beach too you know there's a pucker factor out there for sure yep there's uh, and you know that 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 uh that swim that that night swim where you're falling the kayaks with the glow sticks yes that's definitely uh that's that's definitely a gut check because it is. Uh, that's yeah. a that's a safety and numbers thing. I, I, on the on the strand, it seemed like guys are racing. Not not us, of course, but uh, out there, it's like strength and numbers. One big school of bud students trying to make it to the buoy. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's almost like we did that drill that was uh, the beehive, where you, you, yes. know, you get push down and just go to the end and come back in. Like that's one big amoeba of scared to death, um, <laughs> bud students who won't admit it. They always said to me, "What?" Um, what would happen if you got uh, attacked by a shark? And I said, well, I'm not lucky enough for him to just kill me. What he would do is wait for me to finish the two mile swim, drag me out two miles and make me do it again. That's what the shark would do to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was, always... That turned out to be awesome. Though. Like, but like, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care for the uh, 10 pull-ups with your gear on before you eat all meals. Or else, meal. I'm hitting the surf before lunch. This is bullshit. I should be in shape by now. <laughs> I know. I tell you, I had a couple of meals outside the galley too, man. Yeah, uh, just and, soaking yeah, wet. Yep, shivering. But yeah. you know, we, we talk, you mentioned Sean Brennan earlier, right? If yes. you talk to him, he'll tell you my biggest fear is sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan, man, he's you know that uh, I just ch- so he was in two oh six, and I just checked in for two oh eight, and he. Uh, he almost beat me up in the first bathroom. He's the first dude I met. He's got a brown shirt. I got a white shirt. And I just think everyone is better than me. So he he basically called me out and threatened to beat me up. And that was – still remember that, Sean. <laughs> I actually – I ended up doing a platoon with him too. He's I love that dude. But the good yeah. news is with Brennan, he's got very heavy hands, so I'm really glad I didn't step up to him. <laughs> you can throw a punch, yep. man. <laughs> yep. Yep. So – um. The, so uh, 231 and then off to the East Coast. What, now, that was during the STT times, right? That's right. I was, yep, yeah, uh, SQT, that's right. So was a, I guess it was probably a little different than you because we were kind of one of the first. So my my last class there, I was up for fire in the gut. And mm-hmm. in 231, I was up for honor, man. Oh, but, cool. um, yeah, thanks. The, um, yeah, SQT. So I guess it was a little different for you guys was – you went to your teams and then you went to your boards. You got your yeah. bird. Yeah. For us. Yeah. The, was... the, the way that it worked for us was um, you go out to your team. Then they did an in-house. Well, on coast as they call it seal tactical training, STT, which is about 13 weeks. Uh, and it was fairly organized, but then you go back to your team, have your probationary period. Then your platoon chief decides when you deserve a trident and you go to your board. Um, and then we were obviously, we didn't like change because the same bullshit with my class was the last hard class, but now SQT, they put everyone together and then you get a try to, then you go to the team, which we didn't like, but it makes a lot more sense than the way we did it. I think. It's kind of funny. I think there's always a certain level of resistance to change. Um, I think the, the way they're looking at it, normally the guys, uh, they probably got a good feel for it if they're if they're going to change it. Um, the way I went through, uh, it was probably a, a good step. You know, yeah. give guys a, a little bit more kind of uh, yes, kind of tactic training understanding so they can kind of filter into the platoons better. It, it, it makes perfect sense because uh, 
if you have the time and the assets and the skill level of the instructors, there's no reason not to teach them standard operating procedures before you get them. Cause you might as well know something. I know I learned a lot more uh, skydiving when I was being taught by Arizona Arsenal, who are the best skydivers in the world, than when some team guy would come out and laugh at me for having a downwind landing, like at least teach me how to do this shit guys. So it, it, it seems to make more sense, but I, I dug that. So what was, uh, what was team eight? Like when, when you checked in there, what year was that? Uh, teammate two, two, uh, 2000, right after 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I was a, I was a new guy when, when nine 11 went down. Mm-hmm. What were so, you guys yeah. doing on nine 11? So what was I doing? Interesting. So I just got, so I was a new guy. I was going through courses. I just went through a comms course cause I was going to be a comm guy in my platoon. So I went through a comms course. And then at our at our team, they had us uh, going through this. Uh, they had all the new comm guys, not all of them, because some of the guys were out someplace else, but a kind of internal type of um, course where we actually, uh, as I recall, learning like Morse code and and basically how to do like blueprints of buildings. Wow. I know it, it seems kind of odd, but that's how my memory recalls it. And what, uh, so what happened was back then guys had beepers. Yes. And so we're going through the course and all of a sudden we had like two instructors there and it was all internal teammate training and their beepers go off. And so one of them leaves and one of them comes back and he tells us all to go to our platoon huts. So go to my platoon hut. I have, uh, there's a guy named Jimmy Graham. He was an older guy. He was in my platoon. I went through both of Jimmy Graham some other guy i forget his name and anyway so they're like uh so uh we're watching it and uh i'm from jersey you know i've been you know grew up in in and out of new york city my you know my entire life at first everybody thinks it's like an accident yeah and then the, the the second one hits and we're like holy shit and uh and so yeah that's that's where i was yeah, and that's when the whole thing changed. That I was, uh, yeah, because pre nine eleven is way different. I was I was going to join for a couple years, and then uh, you know go back to Montana. And then I met the dudes out on the East Coast, and I was young, and I was like, "Well, I'll reenlist. This is cool." And then nine eleven, I'm like, "Well, I guess uh, we didn't get dressed up for nothing." So then, uh, so your first deployment at eight would have probably been like a UCOM or uh, an Africa Marg type thing. What would you guys do? So our uh, first platoon was a UCOM. Uh, uh, first, we were uh, basically, we were on uh, decommissioned. Well, a couple of different things happened there. We were at, we were at Stuttgart, Germany for a little bit. We winded up uh, where you were at, uh, r- right by Rota, uh, Mar- Maron, Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and we were basically, then they had us on uh uh, the USS LaSalle, she's decommissioned. Yes. A couple cool, th- couple cool things happened there. One was she was kind of like a command center for a battle group. We were and, on the LaSalle at about the same time because I was on that too. Oh, wow. Right around the same time because we were, um, I think I was on the LaSalle, would have been, eh, maybe not, about 03 then, maybe 02. Got in a huge fight in a bar fight in, um, well, and I think either Sigonella or Naples, Spain. Uh, it, it, it was it, 
we beat some dudes up on that ship pretty bad. But we didn't start it. Basically, we gave them a, sh- uh, a bunch of shots, and then it was their time to give us shots, and they got, like, alcohol courage. It didn't work out for them. And it turned into some big ordeal. Uh, but a couple cool things happened there for me. One was uh, I was at JTAC, and yes. so they flew me out on a bombing range to Albania. Oh, wow. And there, uh, I, I, uh, Steve Messer, I think he was the uh, senior chief, uh, but he was the guy kind of running it. And what we did is we were out there on tents for a couple weeks on this bombing range in Albania. And I kind of remind Pitcher as like a warm-up pitcher. Yes. Uh, or warming up the pitcher. And basically, so they had all these different air assets there to get ready to go into Iraq on, at shock and all. And basically doing all these dry runs, I kind of keeping them busy, I guess. And so then what happened is uh, they flew me back, uh, flew me back on uh, to get the aircraft carrier. I forget what aircraft carrier. And then somehow I found my way back to LaSalle with the rest of my platoon. And then one of the cool things that happened there was I'm in the the, the command center. And so I was a, I was a team guy, right? And so I could go up to the flight, uh, to the, the deck, and no one really say anything. And they were launching, and you, you could see these ships right next to us, right? You could, they, were, they weren't too far, and they would launch their tomahawks. And when they would launch, the ship would kind of go back. And so Launched now it. our ship would kind of be running point. And you, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how a tomahawk works. I know it's a GPS guided, but the first part, you could see it before the other part kind of departs. And it, so you could see it and trace it for a little bit. And it was kind of cool. And then what would happen as I would go down to the command center and I could see the the uh, the TVs and stuff and where they were select in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And later on, when I was in Baghdad and I saw, you know, parts of Baghdad and Jaffa and things like that, I could see like what the effects were. And, and uh, so that was kind of cool. That was a little. That's very cool. A little historic. Yeah. Not everybody gets to see an invasion. <laughs> we uh, we got turned around. I was up. So that was 03 because we got turned around, had to go into Liberia. There was an uprising. We were going to go on the invasion with the Marines in Iraq and had to turn around and swim into West Africa. <laughs> so, so there's that. So, okay. So what's the, uh, what, when did you get into Iraq? What, 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 uh, what year? So I got into Iraq in 2004. So I was there 2004 to 2000, 2005. And you're in the, you're in uh, the green zone near Baghdad? Well, I was, the AO that I winded up working out of was basically Baghdad and South. Like I was in Al-Nazaria, Najaf, Basra. Um, but my primary uh, thing that I did initially was basically I was a uh PSD detail for uh, Burnham Salah, who at the time was the uh, DPM, Deputy Prime Minister of Iraq. And uh, uh, there's a couple times I winded up being the driver. Uh, There's a majority of the time I was either the the comm guy in the convoy, or I did some, I don't know if you ever met Stephen uh, Redbow. Yeah. But... uh, but he was my senior chief, and I did some uh, 
I guess you would call it RNSs. And some of it, some of it was kind of skits uh, where they're like, uh, where it's just basically me, him, and a couple other guys, and like some Iraqi like beat beat up shit car. We're not in fucking uniform, and we're basically uh, driving to different places that uh, that they, the the uh, DPM is going to meet. Because one of the things they were doing at the time was they're trying to run the country, he's trying to bring the country together. And a lot of things that he would do is he'd meet different uh, dignitaries or different, uh, different like he met Al Sistani in the job. Uh, different people had a lot of influence over there. And some of it, he was he would go to some like reconstruction sites or some type of, you know, thing going on. And one of the things we would do is we would basically RNS it, kind of, we'd have our GPS out there, kind of plan the routes that we would take and, yeah. you know, try to, so that's kind of some of the stuff that I did. Now he's um, oh, also, also the the so the PSD is a, a a support detail on a on a precious cargo, if you will. Was it now this guy the the deputy prime minister is leaving the green zone? No, he's going around like you're not just inside the green zone, right? That's right. He's 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 going around, and uh, the other thing I did too is so I think uh, a lot of at least for me. The attentive to detail and things like that, uh, and yeah. the way I think we were programmed is different, because when you're at the time, he was like, you know, a lot of guys might, a lot of your audience might not realize, but at the time in 2004, 2005, team guys, SEALs guarded the top five dignitaries in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Yeah, and our mentality, at least mentalities, were very assertive. Yes. And it's 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 a different type of mentality when you know you're on the X and you got and you be, be got you got to be proactive and real and, and realize and try to reduce threats where you're not basically hunting. And I uh, but one of the things they did to us, too, is I think so. I had a lot of I wasn't a, I wasn't a sniper. I, I grew up in New, New Jersey. I never I never shot until I got the buds. But I was a breacher. I was a calm guy. I was a, a JTAC. So I had some calls that made me beneficial. And I found myself on sniper ops and uh, on snatching grabs with my platoon, with other platoons, and actually with uh, army units and and stuff in Najaf with the Marines. So uh, so those are some of the stuff, some of the ops that I did when I was in, uh, in Baghdad. Because one of the things they would yeah. do is they would kind of Basically, it was almost like recess because you're getting off from doing PSD stuff and you're actually doing stuff that you thought, you know, you were going yeah. to be doing. I always thought yeah. that um, even though, I mean, at first that time, um, 04, everyone's trying to get in the fight. But, I, I you know, like um, we had dudes protecting uh, cars and all that stuff. I always felt like this, the security details wasn't a team guy's job. I know we trained on it. Um, and we, you know, got some good training, but that's more of a state department thing. I don't think team guys need to be doing that. Um, it's, it's just, because like you said, you're always on the X cause you're, you're walking around with a target and you're supposed to, uh, potentially sacrifice your life for this piece of shit. <laughs> so yep. it's like, it never, I mean, wh whatever. And it's like, there's a difference between, uh, protecting, um, American dignitaries and protecting, um, corrupt um criminals and i think that's what a lot of a lot of guys were doing it can be very dangerous i know a couple of guys that got shot in the plates protecting people but they were okay but anyway um 
but you said breacher let's um which did you go to the do they have a uh, west coast breacher school or, or no you went to probably picket yeah east coast yep yeah okay yes. i went to that one too i thought that was awesome that's a that's like a that's a team guy course right there yeah a, uh, i believe good i don't know i think it's good and newman i okay. know uh were to like the primary instructors yeah but yep uh hughes was teaching when i went through and it was just awesome and um i like that course because it's like well here's a wall let's just go through that what'd you bring <laughs> <laughs> like literally uh chainsaws quickie saws explosives um uh tor the thermal bear torch the did you guys ever do dr the drill the big drill no big no no big drill yeah that's not as cool as it sounds i'm not even gonna talk about it it's just a pain in the ass we did we did quickies we did like seven foot no nail charges we did the the door poppers with the c4 uh yeah yeah good course uh, really? really good course <laughs> yeah the, uh, the torch you know one of the things i learned in that course that helped me uh helped me later on in life was uh through that course because i've always been kind of like an unorthodox thinker you know and one of the things that happened in that course is they uh, a really good learning tool is they video videotape yeah as you're doing your ftx's yeah and a couple of things happen is and so uh the first thing is you put away all the gear after you put all put away all the gear, they kind of put on the uh, the red lamp lamp. They kind of and we, yeah. we would debrief, mm -hmm. and uh, you, and so anything's one of the cool things about what 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 happened was they'd have a this was the kind of they had this technology uh, where basically they had approximate and they could draw, and they could so they were the first thing is they would have you debrief how you thought things went. Then the next thing would happen was like if you tried to bullshit, if you if you kind of messed up a little bit or whatever, uh -huh. or if you did something a little different, because there's different things you can do with explosives, depending on the material, depending on what you want to do. And so I, I know like for me, there was a couple of times, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I saw like you learn like when you talk about pool comp earlier, like one of the things I learned about pool comp and, and even first phase, like not tying and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. was observational learning and so like i'd always try to be at the back and then i kind of see all right what instructors failing a lot of guys let me try to get away from that dude or try to get intel from guys like you know what the situation was what they did right what they did wrong well it's an observational learning here about debriefing you gotta you gotta be able to articulate what your actions were and what your reasons were and you see a couple guys who did something whatever for whatever reason wasn't what the protocol if they had a reason for why they did it, they didn't get fucking hammered. But the guys who were like kind of like didn't have a reason, they got hammered. And so that mm -hmm. was a big lesson for me. And the other thing too was I learned that like you're, if you're in a room with a, a, a bunch of smart guys, you can't bullshit them because you just no. you're just making yourself out look like an idiot. Yep, like, and that's the right. thing. That's the thing too. Talking yourself into an ass whooping that when, whenever I learned that I, I might have been breacher school or green team, but whenever they said. Why'd you do that? My answer is always because I'm an idiot. <laughs> fucking get out of that argument. Because <laughs> I'm stupid and I didn't listen to you. You're good looking. I'm not that handsome. <laughs> yeah. But, you know what I learned? You know what I learned in breacher school too? Because I, I love the outside the box thinking. It's literally get in there. Um, 
And I learned it from a buddy of mine who was a damage controlman in the fleet before he became a team guy. So, you know, a, a fire guy. Uh, I Because when you're using the going, uh, you know, chainsaw to quickie saw, the inside of the doors can light on fire. Uh, and then you got to put it out. The I learned that uh, baking soda works really well. Just out. Didn't know that. <laughs> Smart. Just good. Yeah. D D D DC one pulled that out and just put it out. I'm like, thank you, petty officer. <laughs> so that's you know what? You, you, you brought something else to my attention too about problem solving. It's like, all right, like you're smashing it. You're smashing the door with a sledge and like, it's not working. All right. I got to move to the next tool. All right. Uh, you know, is it a New York drop bar? Like what's going yes. on here? Like mm -hmm. where's it bending? All right. Do, am I going to, uh, what charge am I going to use? And where? Like, uh, and one of the things too is like never giving up. Like, all right, yeah, I yeah, attack the keep attacking the problem. And again, and again with the process, I'm going to start with a kick while you're getting your hammer and your hoolie out. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to have the hammer guy hit up here, hit down here. I'm looking for where it flexes. I might need to put a bomb on there, shit like that. It's. Uh, I mean, it helped though. It really. I mean, it it. Well, I mean, war is great training, but this training was great training for war, if that makes any kind of sense at all. I thought breacher school might have been a course that I think pretty much every team guy should go through. I I, I, I learned a lot. I and you know what they uh, – uh, did you have the uh, – Hughes made that. Uh, I still have the binder. I had to keep it when it was the difference between it because the big schools were like comms, breacher, sniper, free fall. Uh, the the, the – front of the folder said uh, breacher school because a one-eyed fat guy can make the shot at a thousand yards. <laughs> you got to be up there close to another, personal. There was another cool uh, saying too. Uh, uh, no problem is too big for explosives. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually writing that down right now. <laughs> well, okay. That's a good uh, segue. Okay. So done with the training, done with the war. Let's talk about what we were talking about today. Speaking of problems, what the hell's going on now? Yeah, so one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, happened to me is I think it's a it's a, it's a small part of a, a lot, a much larger problem. And I think if you look at, you can look at, uh, so I got, I got fired for making a, a post on LinkedIn and uh, from McCarter in English. Uh, and they had issues uh, and they chastised me for a couple of my posts. Uh, and, and in my opinion, it's really uh, based on uh, uh, my political perspective as a conservative, outspoken con conservative seal isn't kind of what they were about. Yeah. And I could, you know, vice versa on the other side of that, uh, they had plenty of legal assessments uh, regarding all the uh, Trump indictments. And in my opinion, a lot of the vast majority of them, those posts were anti-Trump. Yes. And we, we can dive into that a little bit more. But I think there's a there's a purge going on uh, with conservative thinkers and uh, people who are, are outspoken. Yeah. And so if one, you can say Hollywood, I think that's kind of and then you could say academia. I think what a lot of people don't. And I think like with academia, we had like a, a big kind of watershed moment Uh when you had the presidents of UPenn, Harvard, and uh, MIT, basically, they could even say it was against student policy that the promotion of genocide of Jews was was basically wrong. They couldn't even say it. And 
and I, I think I, it kind of reminds me of uh, like with uh, Martin Luther King, because when I think Martin Luther King won, I don't think it was his march on Washington. When I think his watershed moment was, uh, I think he was a chess player. He knew that in going into Montgomery, Alabama, how this police would overreact. Yeah. But where he really won is he used technology at the new technology at the time, the TV, and that that got those images got in everybody's houses, and they realized look, something's wrong. And I think most Americans can look at what those presidents of uh, uh, MIT. UPenn and Harvard, like these are some of the most prestigious universities mm-hmm. in our nation and how backwards they are, how wrong they are. And what I don't think most Americans realize, in my opinion, just how uh, woke, just how woke a lot of our, our, our law schools are. And that bleeds into our, our, our big law firms. Mm-hmm. And that unfortunately bleeds into our judicial system. And I think uh, if you look at a lot of these, uh, in my in my opinion, a lot of these, uh, you know, we the presidential, the most likely presidential nominee right now is Donald Trump, and he's facing uh, ninety-one felony charges and four criminal cases. And if you look at all the the whole Russian Gate and all that stuff, they're trying to basically subvert the will of the people to decide who we want to be president. And that's that to me, that's alarming. And so like uh, what happened to me, I think is a small part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at like um, the COVID mandates, right? Cause I believe in life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I believe in the values that are expressed in the declaration and the constitution, free speech, right of free assembly, due process, equality. I, I, I'm a thorough believer in, in those transcribed values. And I also believe that our country is taking great measures to, to uphold those values. The Civil War, we lost hundreds of thousands of Americans. We had great leaders in the civil rights movement. We had great leaders in the women's suffrage movement. And we even had great leaders in the gay and lesbian. But I think what's happened now is that we've actually taken a back step. And I take it when you basically, I can't tell you how many of my friends and how many guys who did the seal swim, served their country with honor, got shut down on social media because they expressed concerns about the uh, COVID mandates. And, uh, and it's, and the truth is they're not, they're not alone. Reasonable people can have, uh, reasonable people can, can, can have difference of opinion regarding COVID and the COVID mandates and they should be able to express themselves and the open market of ideas, which is mm. actually social media. I think uh, if you look at, and the other thing is that look at like, uh, look, I don't have an issue what consenting adults do, no issue at all. I do have an issue over-sexualizing uh, our kids. I do have an issue with having uh, bio- biological males in, in, in my daughter's bathroom. And I don't think I'm a bigot for for saying, hey, like reasonable people should be concerned or I don't think, you know, the the head of uh, um, the FBI should basically kind of uh, infer that parents who have concerns are basically uh, domestic terrorists. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. 
Um, so you were obviously a lawyer and you weren't working for a major law firm and you got fired for a LinkedIn post. That's basically what happened. Well, yeah. So they, they had issues with a couple of my uh, posts and I'll, 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 I try to kind of briefly talk about a few of them. So the first one they have an issue with, what the one they fired me for is they, uh, they stated that I promoted negative perspectives of Muslims and uh, and Black Americans, and that's not true. So the the posts I first go on the state in the post uh, I was a first responder to two suicide bombings in Iraq, and those experiences had an impact on my perspective. And I I'll tell you one of the reasons why Rob is because like. Uh, an IED, a suicide bomber hit right in front of us at this American cafe in a green zone. We're in armored suburbans. Like, did some of the debris rushes up against our vehicle. We get out. We Luckily, we have a, a corpsman with us. We set up a perimeter. Uh, our corpsman's doing a triage. And uh, this crazy Iraqi that speaks some, and it was a bad scene, bro. And this crazy Iraqi that speaks a little English comes out. He's like another one, a Jordanian this way, yellow shirt, black bag, this way, this way. And this way is towards the, the trauma center in Baghdad in the green zone. And so uh, my uh, LPO at the time, he was the leading guy. Uh, we used to call him Hoots. Now he goes by Mikel Vega. I'm like, hey, man, I, I want to go get this guy. He's like, all right. And uh, me and this guy, Doug, he was from another platoon. I forget his last name now. But so what happened is, uh, we weren't, I look back at it now, maybe if I would have just hauled ass, maybe I would have got him, the second guy. But what happened was everybody's running around like, because this, it's like they're going, it's, you know, it's a, it's like people are panicking. Chaos, and yeah. they, were, they were getting mortared. They were getting mortared and they would bust in these uh, Iraqi nationals to do some of the reconstruction. And at their bus stop, they had these big Texas reinforced concrete barriers. And it looked like a little cave. And they're packed in there like sardines. And I got people running around. So me and my buddy aren't just fucking hauling ass. We're moving, but we're leapfrogging. So I get cover. I get some spot. And then he'd leapfrog. he get cover. And that's the way we're moving up. Because if we get, we run into something, we got, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're in a little more protected. So we bypass the, we get past the hospital, which is a good thing. For whatever reason, I didn't hear the second blast, but I was very constant to his muzzle. So he's like this with his muzzle. And I look and there's a mushroom cloud right where the butt, the bazaar was and they, they fucking hit it. And so one of the things in, uh, for me is, uh, for whatever reason, sometimes when I think things are like in the, in the teams, we would call it raising the bullshit flag, right? Yeah. And so sometimes like when uh, when something's kind of like uh, like a little little messed up, I kind of feel it's kind of uh, to, to speak up about. And so, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I made some mistakes when I was younger and I want, you know, the Navy saved my life and I was in the detention center and I was one of the only white guys there, you know? And one of the things, a lot of these guys there, they had similar type of misplaced values as, as I did. And a lot of it was because of some of this nineties rap music. Right. And so one of the things that I do on my posts is I basically state, I say, Hey, there's a lot of beautiful Muslims. But I said, the truth is the language in the Quran is not is not tolerant. I said, there's a lot of beautiful Muslims and tolerant 
Muslims, but the language in the Quran's not. Uh, the textual language in the Quran's not tolerant. And there's there's plenty of like uh, verses in the Quran that I could like put out there, like if, if they call it the verse of the sword, like the Quran chapter nine v v five. Like if you read that, that's pretty much exactly what happened in October seventh in, in in Israel. And so my my viewpoint was look the uh, and there's a, I also met uh, I I had the privilege to meet Justice Antonin Scalia. And he was a big conservative justice. I met him yes. at the Union Club in Philly. And he had this train of thought and, it, and it's a constitutional type of uh, uh, interpretation of reading a comprehension of the Constitution. And it was that you read the language as it's clear and unambiguous uh, way to read it, like what the words mean objectively clear. And that's kind of my basis for my stance regarding the the Quran. The language in the in the Quran's not tolerant. And then no. I go on to say that I go on to say that some of the the music, their hardcore gangster rap music in the nineties, promoted net values of drugs and violence, and yes. which is true. Yes. And uh, like you could look at a, a number of NWA songs, DMX songs, Mob Deep songs, and it these type of like negative stereotypes, they, it's like a trap. And my kind of comparison was, look, there's absolutely, like, there's apps, like I was, uh, there's absolutely millions of like very influential young Muslims throughout the world that get caught into this trap, this anti-social like trap that destroys so many lives. And it's on a much smaller basis, but it's also true that there were a lot of influential black youth that got caught up in that trap too regarding gangster rap and the ideals that it promoted. And it's just a trap. And that's that's what my post was about. And it was actually one of unity. Yeah, I, saw, I, I read that one. Her. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was saying, you know, because what it does is it, it basically, you know, we live the internet and the ease of travel. We live in a, in a transverse, you know, global society. And we, you know, you know, our educational institutions used to need to promote unity and, and self-collective like societal improvement. And what happened was instead of, instead of, instead of seeing it as I wrote it, which was clear, that it was basically, uh, it was like, look, here's an issue. Here's an issue as as a, a educated and reasoned society that these are ways that we need to address it. You know, we need to realize what promotes poor uh, values and perspectives that are going to do harm to all of us. And and you know, by by doing that, we can we can excel the potential of growth for all of us. But what happened was they used that as uh, as basically uh, their interpretation was that um, it, it kind of kills me in a way to kind of promote like oh that I'm I'm a racist I'm that's far from the truth the truth the truth is I'm a concerned American I'm a guy who who went to war for our country I've seen jihadists you can you know you look you know one of the things. Uh, you know, what happened on 9-11, you know, what happened on October 7th, 
You know, these are kind of repeated patterns that play out. And what is the root causes for that? And that's what I was trying to address. And instead, I got the hammer. But I kind of look at it like this, to be sincere with you, Rob. I remember I, I, I heard, his, I heard uh, Malcolm X giving his speech. And basically, uh, he was stating that he's not ashamed of the fact that he went to prison. He's like, I'm not ashamed that I went to prison. He's like, because at the time, like the way society was, he's like, if, you know, if you're if you're an educated black man and you're speaking up about injustice, then you're probably going to go to prison. So I actually I think of I now that I look into the, you know, unfortunately, the the current environment that we're at, if you're a concerned American and you're concerned about our freedoms and civil liberties and our rights and equality and due process, but due process of the court. Right. And you're speaking up about these things. Chances are you're going to get canceled. And so I, I don't I'm not uh, uh, I'm not ashamed of it. I stand by everything I ever posted. And my what I'm trying to do is I'm I'm trying to and I'm grateful. I'm trying to kind of send a, a flare out there and I say, hey, look, if we can't have if you don't have the right to free speech, then what right do you really have? And if you don't have the right to due process, like if there's political fact prosecutors and they're going to go out of the way to, to try to tear you down and, and threaten your life and your liberty and your, even your pursuit of happiness because you have a difference of political perspective than you and you're outspoken, but we're in trouble. And I think we are in trouble. I think there's certain jurisdictions in our country right now that you, you likely might not get a fair trial. Case in point, yeah. Daniel Pearl. Yeah, it's scary, man. Well, I mean, uh, instantly, you know, uh, Maine and Colorado come to mind. <clears throat> Trying to keep your opponent off the ballot is the cornerstone of Marxism. And the whole admit nothing, deny everything, make counter accusations. You're a fascist when they're actually using fascist tactics to silence. Uh, the first, I mean, the, the, the freedom of speech is probably the most important one we have. Obviously, Second Amendment, too, which is going to follow behind it. But it didn't strike me that you... Uh, said anything controversial other than telling the truth. And nowadays the truth can get you fired. That would get you canceled if you simply tell the truth. You were saying that. I pulled this up. This is a Quran 533 states, the penalty for those who wage war against Allah and his messenger and strive upon earth to cause corruption is none but they can, they can, uh, they can be killed or crucified or their hands and feet be cut from opposite sides and exiled from the land. That's from their book right there. And I just read it verbatim and that could be taken as violence. And if you're, I've dealt with suicide bombers too. And a lot of these jihadis had made it so common that we don't, I remember when they, and it was Hamas that first was starting with the suicide bombings way back in like 2000, 1999, something like that. They'd made it so common that suicide bomber, it doesn't, you don't even bat an eye at it. And, and you got to understand this person is taking their life because they know that once they blow themselves up, they go right to paradise there is something violent about that. <laughs> and the, I think, you know, the, the only way around that is to tell the truth, but also um, guys like my friend, uh, Ennis Canner freedom, uh, a, a moderate Muslim speaking out against other Muslims asking for peace, wanting peace. And that's what they need. But uh, the way that it seems to me that it's been spunny, just tell, just telling the truth. What we're the only country right now that 
I think teaches our kids to hate themselves. The only country that says we hate our country and then we divide and conquer and everyone's a different uh, version of themselves. And it's uh, it's all either oppressor or oppressed and I'm a victim and you're this. It's like that comes down to the basic fundamentals of community. If you're going to teach people don't aren't born hating, they're taught to hate and you're teaching hate by division. And then like with the thing we taught, um, Armed Forces Brewing Company in Norfolk, they protested, tried to get us shut down, not even open, because I said, I everyone is welcome except pedophiles. I will not work with pedophiles. And that was controversial. I thought that's something we could all stand behind. Not not in today's world. I you know, it's 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 uh it's horrible when you think about they're trying to affect individuals, people, you know, good Americans, serve the country, believe in the values of this country. Speaking up and they're trying to destroy your destroy your livelihood, your ability to to do business, and um, and I think the the I the way I believe a couple of things. I go I study like I study our country historically, and I go well how how was the civil rights movement successful? Well, you had some great leaders, right? Like well, a couple of things. Well, you think of MLK. He always held the moral high ground and he was articulate. But you also had Malcolm X who said any means necessary. And I think they complemented each other. Then I look at the women's suffrage movement and I was like, well, how, how are they successful? And they were really successful, holding moral high ground, speaking up, stating their case. Then I think of the gay and lesbian movement. They, they were too, originally. But now one of the things I think is that I try to do is I try to do it like a lawyer. I try to say, okay, I'm going to hold the moral high ground, just like what me, what you're giving me the opportunity to do is giving me a voice. I want to share my concerns. I want to show the evidence, right? And so together we gave a couple of examples. Look, my firm, they, in my opinion, they wanted me to DOR, right? Drop yeah. out on request. Mm -hmm. And so for six years and 10 months, they paid me substantially low. And at a certain point, like I was in the commercial litigation, bankruptcy uh, practice group, all of a sudden they stopped giving me work in the fields I normally practice. And the majority of my cases were representing alleged child molesters. That was putting my nose in shit, man. I want to tell you that's some of the hardest shit I ever had to deal with. Now, what happens, right? is I, the way I kind of look myself in the mirror is I said, I believe in due process. I said, I, this irks my, and I can't even tell you, I'm a, you know, I, I, I'm a dad to a little girl. I, reading that, the discovery on that stuff was very hard, man. Now I got a buddy in mine, case in point, I got a buddy in mine, Shannon Rose. He's another SEAL. He came to my swim the first year. He actually helped me out because he did a swim called the LKL SEAL swim in North Carolina, swimming across the, uh, Lake Norman. It was a great event. I participated in it. And when I called him up originally when I had the idea to kind of get some of the framework for how he moved forward. Well, he wanted to he wanted to exercise his right to free speech, his right of free assembly. He goes to the January 6th march. His son's with him. He gets contact. He doesn't go into Capitol. He gets contacted by the FBI later. He's scared. He reaches out to me. He's scared. I say, I, I say, Shannon, uh, I say, man, I, I, I love you, but I can't. This is my area of the law. But I said, you know what? There's a lot of federal prosecutors, a few federal prosecutors at my firm. They do 
criminal defense work. I said, you know, my firm's kind of left in my opinion, but they should be able to at least give you a good recommendation, right? Well, let me tell you, man, that's not what happened. The email responses I, I got back, uh, uh, one guy, Alexandra Major, another guy, um, Robert Mintz, who makes repeatedly post uh, on the Washington Post and uh, about and many blogs, and all his assessments, in my opinion, are uh, on, against and against the Trump indictments or anti-Trump, and uh, another guy, Jeff Roseman, and basically they said, in my you know, the, it's beneath them to even recommend an attorney. They didn't want anything to do with the pompousity of that. Here's the same guys. The same law firm that had me representing child molesters. Here's a guy who's a SEAL, rep, uh, did his First Amendment right, his first right to assembly, served his country, and now these guys won't even recommend it at this defense attorney. To, so much for due process. That's, right? that's, no, that's not even due process right there. That's, again, just shutting them down. That's it. And to me, like that's, that's what I'm really scared of. I'm scared of the politicization of the American jurisprudence, because you you uh, uh, you can't have you can't have like uh, justice is supposed to be blind. Well, if you look at all the current indictments against Trump, you look at what they did to Giuliani, like a hundred and fifty million dollar verdict yes. judgment, like the financially bankrupt. This is a guy who responded out a, a, a man who responded. Yeah, after great trip. What they're doing to him is a sin. Yeah, like, of course. Uh, and, and so uh, m what I'm trying to do with your help, and I, thank you so much for looking out for me and giving me a of voice, course. is I, what I'm trying to do is I'm saying, hey, I'm raising the, the, the team guy bullshit flag. Well, something's, wrong in our, something's wrong in our legal system. Something's we, wrong in our law firms. There are people something's that simply on January 6th, simply landed in Washington, D.C., and didn't even go to the Capitol. And now they've got air marshals following them around as uh, domestic terrorists. Something's gone very, very wrong. And, um, I, I mean, we we need people to speak up like this, too. I mean, I've been I've been uh, shadow banned from all kinds of social media and all kinds of bullshit and, um, you know, everything from not, not being allowed to fly on an airline anymore for a stupid tweet and all that shit. And it's, it's, it's a direct result, of a lot of this woke nonsense. And it's, 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 it's almost like uh, justice isn't blind anymore. Justice looks at you and what you look like. And then justice is deaf because if you're telling the truth, that's when you get in trouble and people hate the truth. People, you tell the truth and they start screaming at you and calling you every ism there is out there. Every, every name in the book, because you're a hater when you're simply a fact is not that a fact is not that hard. It's a law. They're the ones trust the science, trust the science, but you tell them that's the boys bathroom and that's the girls bathroom and they lose their shit. Now, I don't, I mean, is it, is it like this all? Cause I know it's getting bad in New York and I know it's bad at some firms, but I, I travel a lot and talk to people and a lot of people are getting sick of it. A lot of, uh, a lot of my gay friends are really sick of the fanatics taking over their movement. I just wonder if, I mean, if, with the control of the media that, I mean, is, can we get our voice heard and how? Well, you know, I think one is, you know, uh, kind of take it to lessons to breacher school. All right. The technology, one is they're trying to shut us. At first, they did it to Trump. Then he did it to how many, so many more of us, right? Mm -hmm. But, okay, so this tool isn't working. 
we're going to use right. another tool. This tool isn't working. We're going to use another tool. It's too, I think it's too important for good Americans not to stand up right now, for concerned Americans not to stand up because the things that made our, you know, it's so funny. I was, uh, I was working out before I, I got here because I wanted to look big for the show. And well done. And, thanks, Mission man. success. <laughs> and there was uh, the, there was this Mexican guy in the gym and we were talking a little bit. And it's so funny because so many uh, Americans, some of the most patriotic Americans are, are immigrants, right? And one of the things he was saying, he's saying, you know, these people who, who hate America, they don't realize how beautiful she is. They don't realize yeah, what uh, yeah. the land of opportunity she is. And, and so uh, I think what I think what we're doing is right. I think we're out here talking about things that, that are wrong. We're, we're out here saying injustices, right? And we're, 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 we're not going to stop. And I don't believe persuasion is like, uh, I'm not going to be shutting down any bridges. I'm not going to be trying to intimidate no. any judges. Of course like, not. That's not how, I th the way I think is, we're the grownups in the room. We're out here trying to convince everybody by basically showing our evidence like look hey man I'm, I'm a navy seal i serve my country i love this country i believe in the values of the constitution i got shut down in my opinion by a, a woke law firm you know they supported black lives matter and they're not so uh peaceful protest and and here and here i am you know i reach out i send the email out to the dni committee because they are sending all these other emails about many diverse things and trying to say, Hey, how come you forgot to send an email on, on nine 11? Yeah. Yeah. And what was their answer? To that? They ever, that's, that's basic. That's in New York basically. And they, uh, they didn't even say anything to so, hey. So they, their answer was this. Uh, the first response I got was, it was from somebody from the DNI committee and it was like, well, that's kind of not our responsibility. Then the, the second response I got was, well, uh, you know, such and such, they they were able to show they sent one the year before, but not that year. And then I got chastised. And it was it was funny that I got chastised. And it was like uh, by a, a judge. She's, she was a partner now. Her name's Natalie Wilson. She's now a, a judge. And she was a big LGBT T advocate. She was a, a, a proud lesbian uh, legal uh, scholar. She's a, she was a, from from all in the from all the feedback I got. She was a, a good attorney as well. But she was uh, she basically chastised me for speaking up. And and uh, and my re my response is no. I'm I'm not wrong for speaking up. You guys, you know, you guys had an office in Manhattan. They previously had it at an office in one of the Twin Towers before. Like, how could you not send an email on 9-11? And I, to me, that's just like, it's, it's a small, you know, yeah. it's a continued, yeah. And it's an it's a yearly email. It's not like it's that big of a deal. And it's, I just, again, I mean, it's, 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 it's mind boggling, but we, I, we know damn well, these are smart people too. The, the, I think part of the issue is when, 
the communists wanted to take over the media back in the 40s and 50s. They did. And, and you can't get a word in because someone else owns it. And then they take over the school to the point where, again, with teaching victim is victimhood. But we were talking offline earlier about the difference between equality and equity. Like people say equity because it sounds like equality when that's saying you get the same result based on how you look as opposed to you have the, the right to show up. And when they say the thing, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I'm either a thinker or a non-thinker. But it's like when they say you're anti-immigrant, it's like, look, the immigrants that built the country came here and they built it. They didn't come here to an already established world and just reap the benefits. Like you, you, you should probably give something back to this great country. And we just, for some reason, the 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 people that wanted to take over because of personal power started teaching along with the help of China and their algorithm with TikTok, which is good. I've heard that TikTok's kind of going away for whatever people. It's not cool anymore. They're going somewhere else, more to follow. But um, just- how they can infiltrate someone using our freedoms against us to teach our kids that they hate this country. They're a part of it. Again, the up is down, down is up. Don't tell the truth. You get canceled. I, I, I mean, where is this going? What, what do we do now? Well, uh, you know, one is, I think the, fir the first step is what, we're, what we're doing. We're out there concerned Americans who love our country, speaking up, raising a bullshit flag. Two is we, we definitely, we have to vote. I encourage yeah. we need we need more veterans in the legal field. There's like oh, no there's no judges on the Supreme Court that are that are veterans. There's very few judges on any appeal court that are veterans. Like I can't think of any judge really in the state of New Jersey that I know that's a veteran. Probably not. So we're not represented in the legal field. So I beg all I'm not begging, but I'm asking. All, all team guys, all spec op vet, vets guys, you're looking to get out and redefine yourself. You're looking for a new just fight. Well, we need our nation needs you in the legal community. When I think about CRT, right, there's a there's a decision called Brown v. Board of Education, and it's a it's a Supreme Court decision and it overruled this Dred Scott decision where they said uh, uh, basically separate but equal. In Brown v. Board, they said, no, separate but equal is not possible. And their reasoning for it is they stated that by having separate but equal, it created psychological damage on Black youth, basically of inferiority. And you know what? I agree with that decision. But I think with the promotion of CRT, the critical race theory, mm -hmm. is I think it has similar type of psychological harm done to white students. Because here you have they're teaching basically that the white people are inherently oppressive. And, and, and I think that does harm to our children. And I think that the, that divide, it, it promotes, it actually, I think it, it promotes hatred towards white people and it pr promotes some type of like psychological harm to white children. So I'm not a fan of CRT. I, I, look, I think slavery was a hundred percent wrong. I, uh, I I think our country's taking great measures to 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 uh, to abide and to meet the obligations in our constitution and de and Declaration of Independence. Uh, but I think what's happened now is we're taking a back step. Definitely. You're, you're, and so I think, look, uh, and there's going to be casualties. Like this is a real fight. This is a long. This is a long fight, and I think. It, uh, unfortunately some of us are going to get fired unfortunately it looks like there's some jurisdictions where you might not get a fair trial yeah uh, 
91 felony charges against the former president. Uh, They're kind of grasping at straws, I would think, there. But that that shows you where they're going. And, like, you got to be careful. I think when you hear that term, pack the court, we got to pack the court. Why do you think they want to do that? Why do you think they want uh, Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico to be states so they can get more Democrat senators in? And they're trying – packing the court is just that. And I – I think that, I mean, we need to keep our cool, but there's got to be a platform where you can tell people this is, this is, uh, this is getting crazy. And here's a prediction. You know when it's going to get crazier this summer when they announce that uh, it's going to be Michelle Obama running and not Joe Biden. Wait, wait for that. Well, you know, uh, the, uh, one of the things we also need to do is one of the things you're doing for me now, you're, you're looking out for your brothers. You're giving me a voice I'm 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 banged up a little here. You're giving me a voice, the uh, to tell you like my ability to get hired at a big law firm in uh, New Jersey right now is seriously in question. Uh, I I got by uh, grace you know grace of God Tim Parlatori who is Eddie Gallagher's uh, yep previous attorney. He just picked me up, and I got to tell you if it wasn't for him, you know. I could be in serious trouble here as far as financially. And you, he worked on a couple other big cases. You talk about free speech, uh, Dallas, uh, Alexander, the Canadian sniper. And they tried to shut him down when he was on yeah. a Sean Ryan podcast. Mm-hmm. Saw that. And that's, and that's one of the other, uh, you know, here's a guy who serves his country. He believes in freedoms and civil liberties and they're trying to shut him down too. So I think, uh, uh, that's what we need to do. We need to look out for each other. It's yeah. Just like you're, you're giving me a hand, giving me a voice. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many other uh, guys out there and, and we're not, not alone that are uh, facing the same type of dilemma. And I think that's the truth. Don't stop speaking up. Yeah. Hold them all high ground and look out for each other. Where, um, where should uh, listeners of this podcast go <clears throat> just to, uh, on your behalf, raise awareness or or a follow on social media where where, where should everybody go uh, if you guys want to check me out you can check me out on uh, my ig page freedom spirit 77 and you can also check me out on my linkedin page william brown just william brown navy seal to pop up All and right. the the other thing too is you know uh one of the things that uh martin luther king did right is like he had this big bus strike when they were when they weren't looking out for uh when they weren't looking out for, you know, the bus companies weren't doing right by black Americans. They had the, the bus strike to, to kind of coerce them to do right. Well, I think one of the things we got to do too, is we got to start doing right by each other, like uh, Armed Forces Brewery. That does a, that's a great beer that's helped me out at a couple veteran events. And so we got to look out for each other. The other thing is why go like, why go to a, a liberal law firm that their interests are inherently adverse to yours? Like start by, you know, go to a parliamentary yeah. law group. If you're a veteran and you look and, and you're looking for someone to legally represent you, that's who you should you go to firms like that. Or we got to start investing with our money where our decisions are. Indeed. Freedom spirit seven, seven. And then William Brown on LinkedIn for sure. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna combine here. We're gonna get the brewery up here for the swim. You and I are gonna be in touch definitely very very soon, and we're gonna figure out uh, 
figure out how to get more more of the guy. I know a lot of guys who feel the same way about us. I know most men and women who went to combat feel the same way we do, and it's uh, it's just a shame. It's it's a shame. It's about one percent of the country, if that. Um, but uh, well, Bill, I want to. I want go ahead. Do you have anything else? Hey, uh, number one, I was. I want to thank you for uh, for everything you've done for our nation. I want to thank you for looking out for me, giving me a voice. Thank you, brother. Well, we're going to do this again, and I want to stay in touch with this. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 talk offline after this, but uh, more to follow. And I really, Bill, I appreciate you coming on on the show. Thanks a lot. Very interesting talk, and uh, we will we will stay in touch if that's cool. It's an honor, Rob. A true honor. Yeah, that's a lot to cover. Um, a lot going on there. We're seeing this diversity, equity, and inclusion pop up everywhere, this woke stuff. They're going to keep changing the names of everything to try to keep you fooled, but we're seeing it come up everywhere. The direct result of leftist policies. The di- if, if the open borders are affecting the voters in Iowa, I talked to my family in Montana, uh, everything from the schools getting bogged down to crime. It's not as safe as it used to be, and it's going to get worse. We're seeing the stuff that Bill just talked about with um, law firms. If, if, they're, if, they're, if they're weaponizing our judicial system, which they are, which you see them doing, the DOJ and the FBI also, which we know, and more and more attorneys are getting offended by stuff that people are saying, combat vets, but they can't relate to combat vets because they're not veterans. And these attorneys just going against former commanders in chief, going against veterans, shutting people down. It's, it's, uh, it's a difficult one, but but we're gonna we're gonna stay on top of this too. Uh, I want to see where this goes, but like Bill and I were just saying, you know, um, it's important that we try to find a way to have a voice for ourselves, whatever whatever that means, so that we can have a voice. And and I mean, look at, look at how good Bill is at keeping his calm after getting screwed by a law firm like that. It's important to stay calm too. It, it, the person that starts screaming and yelling is usually wrong. So if we can stay calm, and that means me, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna re-listen to this podcast again just so I can take my own advice. Um, but uh, yeah, very very important. So uh, on that, make sure hey, if you haven't yet, and I'm just giving you pearls here. If you haven't checked out Watchtower Firearms yet, you better do it because they're made in the USA. They're the best guns I've ever fired, and they are. Um, they're going fast. Go check out the new pistols. Check out the Nisrael 15. Tell me what you think of that, too. Great gun. We're always talking about making improvements. We base it on that. But uh, a great American company. And, you know, it's in Texas. So, like, that. maybe when Texas becomes the country of Texas, we'll just all meet up there. But, you know, if we can keep our calm, uh, keep a voice and just do our best to take that deep breath. Look out for each other. And you're never out of the fight. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.